Welcome to Before You Go. I'm Nicole Franklin. And I'm Bryant Monte. And today on Before You Go, we meet a retired educator and Korean War veteran who has amazing stories and history to share with us. Yes, Bryant, we're here with Cedric Johnson from Muskogee, Oklahoma. And though he was born in 1932, he was in his early 80s when he was elected the first African-American to represent the state of Oklahoma at a Democratic convention. And this was during the nomination for the presidential primaries in 2016. Wow. But Mr. Johnson, Howdy. if you could give us a yeah. little bit of background of Oklahoma, why it's so unique in terms of black history and some things well, that we may have not known. You know, Oklahoma was two territories at one time, Oklahoma Territory, Indian Territory. Mm -hmm. So the consensus was to make one of them an all-black state. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma had more all-black towns than anywhere else in America. And in Muskogee, I'm gonna say that, that the black people of Muskogee, Oklahoma, at one time, were the best educated per capita black people in America. Okay. And they were also the richest. Mm. The richest black woman in the world lived in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Wow. What did she do? Was that from oil? Yeah. Yeah, she was a freedman and she had an allotment right in the middle of a big oil strike. And a quick rundown and of what of who a, a freedman is, what that means, please, for our audience. You know, when the tribes came to Oklahoma, mm -hmm. they brought uh, the slaves with them. Mm -hmm. And when they freed the slaves, the, the slaves became known as freedmen. Mm -hmm. But they were but still now, part of their, um, they were documented still as part of the tribes, correct? That's right. That's mm -hmm. correct. Even today. Yes. These descendants are documented that way. Even today. Yes. And, and, and they shared into whatever tribes got from the government that were shared with those freedmen. Mm-hmm. Your Creek, do you um, carry a Creek card? Citizenship Not card? yet. Not yet? Uh, After but, all these years? But we, we, now, we had been getting some of the benefits because what we found out is that a uh, family member wobbling over some allotments had gone to court and swore that the guy who was listed as my grandmother's daddy was not him. But that has been cleared up since. Okay. And of course, we had two roles. You had the Freedman roles and you had the Dawes roles. Yeah. And of course, my grandmother was on the Dawes roles. And if you could explain to us the history of the land that a lot of African-Americans, Blacks, uh, received, I guess it was through the government back in the day, um, you know, the 40 acres and the mule, we all know that story. But in Oklahoma in particular, what made a lot of blacks landowners at one time? Well, they, they were freedmen. Like I said, the uh, Native Americans, the, the tribes mm -hmm. included them. In, in, and when the, <clears throat> when the territory was broken up, they got a, a lot of lands. That's how uh, our mother's folks got over a thousand acres of land in Wagner County. And, that, and all those lands were joined. And some of them, and I had one relative who, who was also quite wealthy on oil and, and, and ranches and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma had about 12 old black towns at one time. 
Wow. And doing and, well. They were all doing well. And and Oklahoma today still has some old black towns like Bowley, Oklahoma. You said Bowley, Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Now Tallahassee actually started as a mission by Presbyterian, by a Presbyterian minister and his wife, and they 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 developed that as a a mission to to educate the Native Americans and the black people in that area. Because my mother's folks went to that school, mm-hmm. and it, it's still in existence today. The Bowley is too, and so is Taft. Mm-hmm. Taft, Oklahoma. Taft originally was was named after a a black family, Twines, the Twines who came from to Oklahoma, and they were well educated attorneys and that kind of stuff. And it was called Twine until President Taft paid it a visit. And then somebody got the bright idea to to uh, change the name from Twine to Taft. Okay. And that's why it's called Taft, Oklahoma today. But hmm. the the mayor of Taft, which was a female at one time, and I think she became the first. Uh, I know she became the first female black mayor of any city in the United States. Oh. Her name was Leela Foley. Okay. Nice. And, and, of course, she was honored at the Capitol one year mm-hmm. for her work as mayor from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, right. and I met Flip Wilson at a rodeo in Bowley. <laughs> 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 what was he doing there? <laughs> Entertaining well, he, or just a spectator? He, he was a par- par- parade marshal. Okay. And he did all of that, too. <laughs> that <Yeah>. fits. <laughs> yeah. He didn't dress up like Geraldine, did Flip. he? He yeah. Like yeah, yeah, he did all of that stuff. So. I, <laughs> I used to love that show as a kid growing yeah. up. And, uh, and, and Red Fox. Oh. Red Fox. Love adopted Taft. Okay. Oh, wow. And I met him in Muskogee, too. He's from St. Louis. So, yeah, uh, from St. Louis. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but I met him in Muskogee. And it, you know a funny thing about St. Louis? What? And... And in Kansas City, mm-hmm. the the bars and things might close at midnight, but you could go across the river into yeah. East St. Louis. Yes, you can. It's all night. <laughs> it's all night. All night long, baby. <laughs> and some of us used to do that. <laughs> and back in them younger, stupid days. That's what keeps you young, Mr. Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm 89 now. 89. 89. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. How does it feel? 89. What's it feel like? Well, I don't know. I've never been there before. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're in the throes of it. <laughs> yeah. Right, right I'll be 90 coming 90. the 13th of May. Oh, oh nice. beautiful. But you see, if I had known I was going to live this long, I wouldn't have had so many tequila headaches. <laughs> Some of my friends are telling me that's why I live this long. <laughs> so now you know I'm two days older than dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I hear you're an outdoorsy guy, so <laughs> what kind of things did you get into when you were younger? Well, during the springtime, those spring rains, I found the country, those creeks ran clear. And guess what we did? Oh, nice. Skinny dipping. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one day, one day, we were in the creeks 
skinny dipping, and I guess these girls passing by heard us. <laughs> Look up on the bank, and that's that's some three or four girls up on the bank, up on the banks there, and we're in the water. They didn't join you. <laughs> no. <laughs> and the water was clear, right? Okay. Clear. <laughs> uh, and one day, one day I'm gonna I'm gonna swing across the creek on a grapevine, oh. and that grapevine broke. While you were naked. Yeah. Oh my. And right into the oh, no. right into the water I went bam. <laughs> but I survived it. Yes. All of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I I, right. I had bunches of cousins who were mm-hmm. matter of fact most all of us at this school were cousins. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I graduated in nineteen fifty one from the historic manual training high school. And you also taught there? Thirty eight years. You taught there thirty eight years. Yeah. Now, why was it historic? Well, because of the people that came out of that. You had about four or five college presidents coming out of there. And you mm-hmm. can't say that about the, the white school across town. Mm-hmm. The last one, the University of Indiana, Dr. Adam Herbert, Herbert, who was one of my students, he became president of the University of Indiana. Wow. And Norma Kimball was president of a junior college in California. Impressive. Nice. And... The University of Maryland was, I think it was named, was John Williams. He was president of Maryland State, which is now the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. And of course, my cousin, Percy Heights, was chancellor there before he passed. Mm. He was out of Clarksville in that area too, Wagner County. He went to Langston. Mm. And uh, Alex Haley, Roots, Arthur, Mm -hmm. his daddy taught at Langston University, way back yonder. Looking at uh, this love for education that you all have, it's real evident. Where do you think the seeds of this sprouted from? What was it that, you know, those that went to this school and, and those that were your family, your cousins, and everyone around you just had this love for learning? Where do you think that stems from? Well, it, it came from home and from our teachers, too. Our teachers expected more out of us, really, than we expected out of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And of course, my two kids, my wife really set high expectations for them. I was mm-hmm. just a sperm donor. She did all of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm proud. I'm proud of the way they turned out. Yeah. Very proud of, of their accomplishments. Yeah. Terrific. They have been good citizens. So, um, Mr. Johnson, we have a special guest with us right now. Um, a surprise, surprise. Miss Linda Taylor Vaughn is joining us. Uh, she was uh, okay. in seventh grade uh, in your social studies class. Is that right, Miss Taylor Vaughn? I believe. I, you know, I cannot really remember. I just remember that he was a teacher, seventh grade teacher. And Richard said it was social studies, but in English, but I can't remember what he taught me. But what I really remember him for is that he was going with, before he married, Miss Inez Booker. They were girlfriend, boyfriend. That's what we called them back then. And uh, <laughs> I always, I just really admired him because he was so attentive to her. He was always gentle. When they walked to lunch, he would always touch her elbow. And I, me and my friends would always say that, well, we got a boyfriend. We wanted our boyfriend to treat us just like Mr. Johnson treated Miss Inez. And that really oh, touched wow. me. And I really yeah. think I got a husband just like him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so sweet. 
We were married you 51 a, years before she passed. 51 years know, and two kids. I oh, believe my. that. And I know that um, it made a really, it made a really big impression on me. And it's, it's be not, it would be really nice if all little girls could have an example of how mm-hmm. men really should treat their wives and girlfriends because it is something to look, you know, it's something to look forward to. You just want somebody to, to look at you with those same eyes that Mr. Johnson looked at his girlfriend back then. And eventually <laughs> he married her, yes. Sure so beautiful. That's so that modeling was so important. And you were like twelve years old then, around uh, twelve, thirteen years, seventh, eighth grade. Yes, yes. Yeah. Look at that. Of course, I didn't start going. I didn't start going with my boyfriend until I was a senior in high school. But, of course not. But he was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he was. But he. But I really did. I, he, Mr. Johnson, made a very big impression on me, and he was always. So he's really handsome, and he's uh, and he's still handsome. He still looks the same. Oh, Seriously. oh, wow! Because he's very handsome, he's Mr. Johnson. Quite a, he's quite a suave, debonair man, <laughs> and I, I really appreciate your example. And what was your boyfriend's name? And Richard Vaughn. Uh, that's who I'm married, and we've been married yeah. fifty-three, 53 uh-huh. years in December. Wow. Yeah. Fifty-three. Uh, that name rings a, a, a bell. Yes. Of course, now, my first example was really my dad. My dad loved my mom. But when <laughs> I went to school, I saw Mr. Johnson, and I said, wow, I want a boyfriend just like this. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a great teacher, because we went to, we went to segregate. We were doing, grew up the time doing segregation. Mm, so sure all, the teachers were, all the teachers were very intent on making sure that we were educated. We didn't get put out of class because they knew that uh, we, it wasn't any learning when you got put out of class. So we were forced to stay in class, and they told yeah. our parents. <laughs> that that is a great and, point. Yes, and Mr. you Johnson. see, mm-hmm. my black teachers expected more out of me than I expected exactly. out of myself. Mm-hmm. And, and and during that time too, we were getting the top of the brain chain because yep. black people couldn't do much of anything else then but teach or preach mm-hmm. but today i couldn't i couldn't interest any of my nieces nephews or kids to go into education why is that you think i have well other opportunities opened up for example i have a niece she has she is managing three funeral homes and i tried to buy one another one for her for her and her son. And and now the the odd thing is two of those funeral homes virtually cater to white white people. And the the third one is 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 an older they, they took over an, an older black funeral home that was going under. And so they have that one now. They must have some the stories. And it I'm sure it pays better oh. than um teaching. Oh yeah. And I have one niece who is a, a practicing attorney in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, and a nephew who was a, a, a who is a who is a dentist. And my son used to be uh, a pro a design manager for Walmart Corporation. And my daughter is is a therapist with the uh, Oklahoma City Veterans Hospital. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I just want to go back to what you said about the top of the brain chain. Now, when you yeah. look at when you look at what it was back then and what it, it is now, let's say, um, it's hard to find teachers like like you. Uh, and yeah, I remember going to high school uh, where men, you know, having a man in the classroom was a lot different. Um, yeah. Some things that you just didn't play around with, <laughs> for one. Yeah. Um, and and I think we are missing that for a lot of these young men in particular and, and young ladies. Um, we are. What what shifted and what, what do you think shifted and, and how can we and could we get it back even? Yeah, we could get it back if we started uh, paying a, a little better salary to the teachers and uh, making it a little more lucrative. Little, You mm-hmm. see, back in those days, teachers were highly respected throughout the community. Mm-hmm. But today, that's not necessarily the case. Mm-mm. And uh, so we need to do that. And and do a, a, the, the, the universities need to do a better job of preparing teachers, too. And, of course, I have been on my alma mater on that case. And they have mm-hmm. been listening. Mm-hmm. They do listen. And this, I, I have a feeling you're talking about more than academics, Mr. Johnson. You're talking about right. culture uh, yeah, as well. Than, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. Because, see, they're trying to do away with that, calling it critical race theory. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. So. Well, it's really black many, history. And, and, native, yeah. and native history. Because as, as they don't, been, they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't want you going into that. I mean, here, do you know the irony when I was teaching American history, even at Manual Training High School, I had one black family who criticized my teaching because they said I, I did too much with slavery. When, when I was stating that the Africans sold us to the slave traders, and uh, I know of one black lady they were free blacks, and she said they had a big plantation and and they owned slaves, and that was a source of of her wealth today. And now I'm told this wasn't anything I got out of a history book. I was told this by these mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. one in London, and one in a, here up on the Chesapeake Bay and around Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So. My my teaching career was 38 years of a a, merit, a good ride, and I would be doing it t- today. But uh, but my friends and my two kids have convinced me that I don't need to be in that classroom with this virus going around today. Because today you're mm-hmm. almost 90 years old, and you're saying That's to right. us now that you were you are ready to walk back into the classroom. <laughs> I, I find sure that amazing, <laughs> because what what what's the passion there? What you know? What, why 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 do you want to go back into the classroom? Well, I tell folks that I learned as much from my kids as they learned from me, and and there's a definitely need out there today, especially for black male teachers. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely need that today. But you going into the classroom, if we thought about it, you'd have to wake up early in the morning, <laughs> yeah. prepare lessons well, like the week before, and grade. <laughs> so there's a lot of un- things until, that the teachers are complaining yeah. about. Until this virus hit, I was still doing it, even after I, I had retired in 97, but I went right back. 
as a as as a principal. Yeah. When did? How old were you when you became a principal? Uh, I must have been in the early thirties. Oh, okay. Because in 1970, we put the, the the two high schools in Muskogee. We had one one white, one black, and then we combined them in 19 in fall of '70. And so I went to I continued teaching history that first semester, '70 '71 school year. In January of '71, I tell people I did such a bad job they made me a principal. <laughs> In January of 71. <laughs> and actually, I was supposed to have been an assistant principal and to learn how to do this. And so, but when I got there, the principal who was there didn't want to be there in the first place. And so he uh, activated his military commission. He was an officer. And, he, and so he went back into the military and, and left little, little, rookie me there but i got through that very well with the help of the people wouldn't by secretaries and folks in the office your staff yeah yeah they did not want you to fail and um, they sure didn't <laughs> but <laughs> it did help that you had been in the classroom what was your yeah. um, advantage there what were you able to uh, guide the teachers through as principal maybe some of their challenges as, um, yeah because I, I had to, I had to um, evaluate the teachers, oh. and and I tried to encourage them to include every kid mm -hmm. in their classwork. Yeah, some kids needed more attention than the others. Mm -hmm. Right. Quick question, Mrs. Vaughn, uh, what was it like for you being a, you know, young person, twelve, thirteen years old, and seeing? Mr. Johnson in the classroom. And I know, of course, the way he treated his girlfriend. So sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what else was it for you that uh, stuck out in your mind to see him teaching in the classroom and other African-American men? Well, like Mr. Johnson said, it's a shortage of, of black men. Well, just men teachers, but especially black men. But I think that, and, they, and men usually are not, no nonsense. So when right. you walked in Mr. Johnson's classroom, he expected you to learn. Mm. So, you know, uh, with him, with the, the community being so small, everybody knew everybody, and they knew my parents, you know. Mm. So it wouldn't mm -hmm. be anything. If I got out of line, a teacher would call my dad and say, you know, Linda's doing this, and, and my dad would be at the school. But the thing about it is, I just said, Mr. Johnson, I, when I saw him, when I walked in the room, he expected you to learn. He was prepared. He was no nonsense. It wasn't, and we had fun. And that's what the thing I missed, that, that we missed. And seemed like now, kids don't really have fun learning. And I don't know if the teachers now are not creative. I don't know what it is. But the thing about I, I enjoyed about Mr. Johnson is that, you know, he, he just had high expectations. and. And it, you know, it filtered through the through his teaching that he expected you to learn. When you walked in that room, he expected you to be prepared because he was preparing you. So that's why we, you know, that's what I got out out of his class. What's it like to hear um, about yourself that way, Mr. Johnson? Well, I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it that way. 
I, I, I got to ask Mr. Johnson, when you had those challenging days where you didn't want to be bothered with kids and young people, oh, yeah. what pushed you through and what, what did you keep in your mind the whole time? I, see, I, I had to keep those kids' welfare in mind. And so then I was second. They were first. Oh. I had to get up and go do that. Yeah. Couldn't let them down because they were expecting me to, to do that. And their parents were too. I couldn't let it, couldn't let them down. Hmm. You started teaching in 1959, is that correct? Yeah, 1959. And so we're, I keep hearing the word segregated. Yeah. Did so, you did you feel while you were in the classroom, though, at a black school that you needed more resources? Not really. Okay. Because we, because we could improvise. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. How so? Well, people were talking about that that we got hand-me-down books. I don't remember hand-me-down. Everybody in Oklahoma had the same textbooks as far as I'm concerned. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. they, cause they had to come from the state adopted list. Okay. But the big thing about those history books, they didn't have much of our history in that, the black right. history. Right. That, that was very little mention of a Booker T. Washington or Dr. George Washington Carver. Mm-hmm. And of course, Carver saved agriculture in America. Ah, mm-hmm. the scientist there, Carver. yeah. Actually, he was an agricultural chemist. Mm-hmm. Could, could you, uh, go, you know, tell us a little bit more about how he saved agriculture? Tell well, us he more. was the first person to, to come up with uh, crop rotations. Don't plant the same things in the same spot every year. Mm-hmm. For example, rotate your cotton crops. Mm-hmm here maybe a couple of years and move it to another part of the country. And and that stuff worked. So you know about his work with the peanut and the mm-hmm. fruit potato. Mm-hmm. And we didn't hear much about a Dr. Drew who did the, the blood transfusions and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that black history that, that, that just was not in the history books. So when you were principal and you knew that wasn't in the history books, how did you ensure your teachers had the material to share this and pass this knowledge along to their students? Well, what we did before we put the schools together at Minor Training High School, we came up with a syllabus, we say, that we passed out to all the teachers mm-hmm. to make sure that that got in there. And then I would go as a principal I would mm-hmm. go in sometime and and and, and buddy and I take over a class. <laughs> <laughs> so it's your turn to teach. By whatever <laughs> means necessary. Right. Yeah. And so also in manual training high school, when I was in high school, when it was segregated, we had a class called Negro History. Okay. Good. And when we put the schools together, we called it Black History. I had to, I had to encourage some of the ideas to. Uh, get in that class and stay. <laughs> Some of them just didn't want to do it. Their parents didn't want them to do it. Of course, we'd have a black history. We'd have a program, an assembly. So one day, I was off campus. So when I came back, some of the white teachers asked me, so when they did a national anthem, black kids didn't stand. And so they asked me why. And I said, I don't know. So I went and asked some of the black kids at lunchtime. Why didn't you guys stand? They said, well, them white kids didn't stand for lift every voice and sing. I said, did they know it? 
understand. And they said, yeah, they knew it. And that's one black kid spoke up and said, I didn't know I stood on the cause y'all stood. I went to Tony Getz. I never heard that, that thing. He said, well, so I asked that kid, where'd you go? He went to Cherokee, which was a predominantly black school still then. Had black music teachers and they taught that stuff. Hmm. Wow, because so, the white kids did not stand during Lift Every Voice and Sing. All right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that young person was already thinking. That's right. I said, you should ask them to sing, to stand. Yeah, you missed an opportunity to teach. Mm. Cross-cultural. Can we um, talk about your politics? We don't want to um, skip over that. Yeah. We haven't even touched upon your political life here. Uh, we could say that you can claim, um, you have a claim to fame, that you are the first African-American uh, representative of the state of Oklahoma to represent the state at a Democratic convention. Is that correct? I think so. Nice. Yeah. At the National Democratic Convention. At the National, and yeah. I got up, and, and like the, the, this white kid we were talking, and, and, and I told him about that. And you know what that little rascal did? What? He, he went on YouTube, because he told me the next day in class, he said, hey, I saw you on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I was still there. Now, now, was this when you were in your early 80s? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> that, was 20, that was 2016. Oh, wow. I got nominated, and so I had to give a nominating speech. Oh. Mm -hmm. And and I got up there and, and uh, yakking. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, they, and they bought into it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So and and I got to take my daughter with me too. We were at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. and actually that was Philadelphia uh -huh. at Valley Forge, and the Cherokee tribe had their own little section. So I was invited to come to that banquet with Al Franken. Nice. He was the the speaker, mm -hmm. and uh, they asked me to give the invocation, which I did. And I got interviewed on national TV and all that stuff. Way back and during my days growing mm -hmm. up, most of your black people were Republican. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the very first United States senators elected to the United States Senate were Republican black guys. Mm -hmm. Like Hiram Revels and, and Senator Ed Brooke out of Massachusetts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Under Nixon. They were all elected on the Republican ticket. Mm -hmm. And when I, I left the Republican Party, because if you remember, one, I don't know exactly what year that was, but the Democratic Convention was in the South, and some, and some of those Southern boys walked out of the convention over a civil rights issue. Mm -hmm. And they were welcomed into the uh, Republican Party and made heroes. And I lost a number of white friends that way because when they came, they brought them to Muskogee. And naturally, I had to go say something about it. I ran it and raved about it. Hmm. But so, anyhow, yeah. right. And then I became chairman of the Muskogee County Democratic Party. Oh, well, let's talk about the switch from Republican to uh, Democrat. When did that happen? <laughs> well, that was after Eisenhower. Okay. And then. Uh, 
because I, 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 when when they made heroes out of those guys who those Southern boys who were ranting and raving against the civil rights issues. Yes. That's and the Democrats, but believe it or not, the, the Democrats were just as at one time just as racist, racist. as yes. as as any others. Mm-hmm. So I switched parties and became a Democrat. Oh. And of course, I still had some good black friends who was who were still. Matter of fact, we have a black mayor in Muskogee now, mm-hmm. and he is Republican, but we get along just fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make that clear. <laughs> Can we go back just a little bit when you were growing up, when you were young, thinking about your yeah. mo- your mother and your father? What was it that they would always teach you and tell you growing up that really stayed with you? to reach this level of success that you've had in your life? Hard work. They set an example of hard work. And, you know, back when I was, and back in them 30s, you didn't have much public education for black people. Well, my mother's auntie had made a deal with the Walden Foundation, and she put a school on her corner of her allotment and hired a teacher. And my first teacher lived with us he roomed with us mm. back there in the country my first teacher and uh, <laughs> wow wow yeah. that's such an interesting living arrangement to have your teacher live with you yeah it sure was <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't get away with anything so mr johnson wanted to ask you about your military service because mm-hmm. i see that you were drafted for the korean war if i had kept a two-point grade point average in college I wouldn't have been drafted but I was busy I was playing basketball and running the streets of Kansas City you know <laughs> going to Kansas okay <laughs> Kansas City <laughs> did you spend two years actually fighting the war well I the uh, the actual combat ended like I go in I go in eight o'clock this morning the ceasefire went into effect at midnight last night, so oh. I didn't see any combat. Thank God. <laughs> but these guys, these guys I'm talking about that we lost in Korea, mm-hmm. they they dropped out of school and joined the army. Mm-hmm. You could do that then. I don't think you can do that today. You were in the army, right? Yeah, in the army. Huh? Sure. Were you drafted or you joined? How did that work? Uh, I was drafted. You were drafted. Okay. Yeah, and then after I got out, I did the drafting. I was on the draft board. Interesting. I can guarantee you, you, Trump would not have gotten an exemption had had he come through my draft board. Say, get him first. They're talking about about no bone spurs. That wouldn't have happened. And uh, you see, this training that that I went to with this, I was an anti-aircraft artillery. Okay. I was, I thought I was going to be this big bad guy. So I'm going to volunteer for Airborne Rangers. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, the, my, my anti aircraft artillery uh, weapon was computer driven. And oh. you had to know how to, we had to, we went to those math courses. So we didn't know how to program the computer. So we'd get directions. You and you, we're stationed around this airfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, each squad around that field, about six, seven, eight guns, 
there in Great Britain. And so one day I'm sitting there virtually by myself and the phone, the field phone ring and I get it. And we got this directions of the airspeed and this and that. So I ran out there and I programmed the computer. And when I got back in, the phone rings again. It's the base commander want to know, soldier, what did you put in that swivel? So I dug my papers back out of the trash and told him. And he said, that's <laughs> correct. Because if it hadn't been correct, I'd have been court-martialed. <laughs> wow, it was all on you. Yeah, I'd have been court-martialed if it hadn't been correct. Yes, yeah. well, I have photos of you, Mr. Johnson, in cowboy hats. So you seem pretty comfortable. Yeah. I had a ranch. Nice. I'm an arrow to about 60 acres of property there in Wagner County. That's where I had right. horses and, and cows, yeah. And you had staff to take care of that, or was that all you No, had? I did it. What? Did it. <laughs> to take yeah. care of 60 horses and cows? I had a friend who was a, a stone cowboy, and he helped me. We would vaccinate in the springtime, and he showed me how to do that stuff. I had mm -hmm. vocational agriculture in high school at Manual. Okay. How many years did you run the ranch? I, I guess about 10 years. And so after things got kind of complicated, I just sold. I sold all, one guy bought all of my horses. Oh. Okay. And of course, I sold all the cows, and the land there now is just going to waste. How does that feel after putting all of your work into these living beings? Not good. Yeah. Not good. Wow. Well, it sounds like you gave it a the old college try. I sure did. Mr. Johnson, you being an educator at heart, uh, and I think it's always that switch is always on for you. What do you tell young people nowadays when it comes to life and and learning and you know what advice do you give them? Well, I try to tell them the one 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 thing. <clears throat> you got to bring your faith in with this. Mm -hmm. You got to keep the faith mm -hmm. and you got to work hard. Nobody's going to give you anything. There it is. Just go get it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I try to instill upon the people. I see at in Muskogee, we have a, a, a brand new building called the Dr. Martin Luther King Center. Mm -hmm. It's about a $5 million building. And we do after school programs there to help the kids with their, and we have teachers help them with their homework. Oh, good. And we run around 100 kids after school, and, and the, the school mm -hmm. district will provide buses to drop them off there and pick them up and take them home, too. Good. Nice. That's terrific. So I just try to tell the kids that the stuff is out there. You just got to go get it, because one of these days you might be president. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but the the big thing is, is, is getting the black parents mm -hmm. to uh, buy into it. So I try to set the example for these youngins. Say, hey, y'all, y'all got to get up and go do this. I tell them, I ask them, are you making A's? I said, B is just saying you're just a little bit better than the worst. So you got to make us strive for the A's. <laughs> I like that. And believe it or not, many of those boys are, are listening. Yes. I got about Three, mm -hmm. our assistant police chief is one of my students, one of my ex-students. Nice. And two two patrolmen, three are my ex-students, too. Mm -hmm. And they have turned out 
magnificently. Oh. Matter of fact, one of them handled a, handled a situation where this guy was having a crisis. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. And these these are black kids, and if if another policeman would have shot him, hmm. but this 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 young man handled it perfectly and and got notarized throughout the state. Oh, good. And even the person who was having a crisis mm-hmm. gives him credit for saving him. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. yeah, we need to hear more stories yeah. like that. Yes, Mr. Johnson. Um, yeah. Before before we go, of course, that's the name of the show. <laughs> before you go, <laughs> but um, what's your secret to longevity? You know, thinking about your age and your health and all the things that you've done in your life. Any trade secrets? Man. <laughs> it has to be good genes and as somebody upstairs that likes me. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mr. Johnson. Yes, we've enjoyed our visit to Muskogee, Oklahoma. And to our listeners, we know you're out there. Now let us know who is in your circles. We look forward to their stories. Now reach out to us at BeforeYouGo.tv. Yes, we have history through first-person accounts at Before You Go on KBLA Talk 1580. Our guests also love fan mail, so drop us a line at BeforeYouGo.tv. That's the website, BeforeYouGo.tv, and we'll share your thoughts with them. And before we go, we want to remind everyone that stories like these are sometimes just a phone call away. Just pick up the phone and make that call. There's no time like the present. What a gift. What a gift. gift.